0: You can apply blue ocean at various levels in the golf. The golf equipment, I would argue Big Bertha in a way, in the past, why do most people play tennis versus golf? Really, one of the key things is in tennis, I can immediately start to hit the ball and without being good at all, I feel like I'm playing. With golf, the whole industry focused on how far I can hit the golf ball. When the majority of people, the issue was, I can't hit the golf ball, period, no matter how many times I try. The head is so small and the ball is so small and Big Bertha set out to make a slightly bigger head to say, Can we make this a little bit an easier hit for more people and it was very successful obviously and so i just think that all those pain points in all the areas of golf are tremendous opportunities to rethink that industry in in many exciting ways
1: welcome to the mod golf podcast where we speak with the influencers disruptors entrepreneurs and innovators who are shaping the future of golf if you're a regular listener welcome back if you're new to the mod golf podcast Thanks for joining us and please subscribe, rate, and review the show on either iTunes or our show page at mod.golf so that you'll never miss the latest engaging story with my amazing guests. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Professor René Marbon, who is the co-author of the international best-selling business books, Blue Ocean Strategy and Blue Ocean Shift, which provide the roadmap you need to stop competing and start creating. The framework contained within Blue Ocean Strategy and Blue Ocean Shift have heavily influenced my approach to entrepreneurship and business over the past seven years, ranging from how our company creates innovative sport experiences and even our approach to podcasting. As some of you listeners already know, I'm a huge fan of Renee and the work she does with Blue Ocean Strategy. I've referenced Blue Ocean Strategy on several previous Mod Golf podcast episodes, and I had the privilege to write a blog post for them to showcase Blue Ocean Strategy success stories in the golf industry. I've been looking to have Renee on the Golf podcast for some time now, so I'm so glad she found the time to squeeze this conversation into her incredibly busy schedule. And some of you may be wondering, how could a non-golf business person like Renee help unlock new business growth within my golf business? Well, by the end of our conversation here, you will understand how Blue Ocean Strategy can help you seize new growth in the $85 billion a year golf industry. Renee, hey, thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf podcast.
0: Hey, Colin, it's great to be with you, and it's great to be with your audience. I'm excited.
1: I am excited, too. So to get us started here, because some of our audience already knows about Blue Ocean Strategy, because as I mentioned, I shine the light on Blue Ocean Strategy quite a bit on the podcast, but to get the ones that have never heard of what you do, let's get us started and tell us what Blue Ocean Strategy is and the concept of creating rather than competing.
0: So Blue Ocean strategy is all about how can an organization, whether I'm a startup or an established organization, create uncontested market space and make the competition irrelevant by doing one thing, and that is simultaneously pursuing a leap in value for our customers and lower cost for our company. And so that's what creates the win-win, a win for the company and a win for the customer, which unlocks this new market space.
1: Love that. That's a great way, succinct way to start us off here. So let's talk about the fact you have two books. We don't want to confuse people here. So tell us between Blue Ocean Strategy, your original best selling book, and now with Blue Ocean Shift, how do these books differ and also how do they complement each other?
0: So, you know, our first book comes out, it's called Blue Ocean Strategy, as you mentioned, and it really talks about how do we break out of existing industries, which are these red oceans of bloody competition. Probably a lot of your listeners today, they're in industries that are intensely competitive, cutthroat competition, maybe like golf has had declining demand over some time, and they want to break out of that and create this blue ocean. So our first book, Blue Ocean Strategy, it really laid out what's the patterns in thinking that differentiate those like Apple or a Netflix today or an Amazon, how they think versus companies that are stuck in the red like U.S. retail today or like many of us. So those patterns were articulated. Once that book came out, it fast became an international bestseller on five different continents, sold a few million copies. And people started coming to us from around the world, and they said, I love the idea of red and blue. I definitely want to be in the blue, but my challenge is, as an established company, I don't know how to start the process, put the team together. I'm wedded to the status quo in my industry. What's a roadmap to allow me to shift my organization from competing to creating? And startups came to us and they said, look, my issue isn't that I need to shift my organization from the red to the blue necessarily. It's that I want to avoid the red altogether and go straight into the blue. But, you know, there's a lot of risks involved. How can you provide me with some tools and frameworks that can de-risk that for me or allow me to achieve it in an opportunity-maximizing, risk-minimizing way? So we actually, after our first book came out in 2005, we spent the next 10 years working with organizations around the world, startups, established companies, and so did our network, even national governments, nonprofits, on putting these ideas together into practice in organizations to understand what works, what doesn't work, how do you put the right team together? And that's what Blue Ocean Shift articulates, our book that came out last year in 2017, or now it's a a little bit more than a year ago. So if blue ocean strategy is the what, what distinguishes red ocean from blue ocean thinking? Blue ocean shift is the how. How do I move my organization or avoid the red ocean altogether to go straight into that blue ocean? And how do I avoid those pitfalls? So it's interesting one thing, Colin, people often say that knowledge is power. But I would challenge that. And I would say that knowledge isn't power. Knowledge is potential power. Right. Knowledge becomes power when we know how to put it into use and into practice to achieve real results. And that's what Blue Ocean Shift does. It shows us how to put these ideas into practice so any organization can create the blue ocean of the future for their organization in their industry.
1: That was a great way to encapsulate this. It really is the how. And... I speak to a lot of people in a lot of conferences about innovation and entrepreneurship in the golf industry, and I know there's a lot of hesitation. I'm sure you see this across the industries. I'm sure you hear this all the time. You're probably smiling now because it's like, yeah, I've heard that before. And that is, you say, well, you know, that doesn't really apply to our industry. But with the golf industry, and there's a lot of laggards in the golf industry that just work and compete on what everybody has competed on for years and just say, well, that's just the way that we do it. So to start here, let's, rather than diving into examples within the golf industry, let's inspire some people and build some confidence in some listeners here by you telling us about some success stories and examples outside. Let's say I'll give you a whole list and you choose which one, whether it's Cirque du Soleil or Shake Shack, the Hotelier Citizen M, or even if you want it in the sport realm, even uh, For You Fitness. Sure. So choose one or two of those and you could tell us the Blue Ocean Strategy Success behind them.
0: Well, I'd love to, but first let me back up for one second. You mentioned about golf and we don't want to dive into it now, but what excites me about golf for everyone out there is whenever there's an industry that has lots of pain points, pain points are actually opportunities in disguise. And when I look at the golf industry and I think it's, many people think it's too hard to learn. It's expensive, takes too much time. It's intimidating. It's complicated. I don't belong in a golf course. I'm not fancy enough as an individual All those pain points, what we think of as constraints are opportunities to create blue oceans. So first thing is that really would excite me about your industry, that whether I am an instructor to teach golf, I'm a golf course manufacturer, I run a golf course, I do equipment for golf courses. I just think there's a lot of opportunity whenever there are constraints and people leaving in an industry. So let me leave it at that. In terms of examples, yes, our book, Blue Ocean Shift, articulates example after example from all different industry walks of life that are implying the idea. So if I take one of them, you know, you mentioned, let's take Cirque du Soleil, that comes from our first book, Blue Ocean Strategy. But of course, we know that's a declining industry. Nobody goes to the circus anymore. Children don't go. There's problems with animal rights and Cirque du Soleil comes. It lifts a price point multiple times versus a normal circus. It eliminates animals, it eliminates a lot of the expensive star performers like the tiger trainers, all of that, and it draws on elements of opera, theater, and ballet, and it creates this whole new experience, part opera, part ballet, part theater, and part circus, and of course, as we know, turns into a multi-billion dollar industry with high growth, where we as adults, who were once non-customers of that industry, become customers. But if I look at somebody, a small startup like For You Fitness, this is a company, it's not in our book. It's a company that took our book and took our ideas and put them into practice. And they were in the fitness industry, health club industry. There's 30,000 players in America, red ocean industry. And before applying the ideas of Blue Ocean Shift, they had two small health facilities. And I think they were getting about eight new customer leads a month. And that's with the CEO going around to all kinds of events, trying to get people interested. And then he put the ideas into practice and he saw, wow, a lot of pain points in our industry. Typical health club tries to lock you into a six-month or a two-year contract. You get rotating trainers. You often see no results because people aren't following up on you. People don't have the time to even go to a gym, even though they love to be in, in good shape. And so he went, created a new system for exercising, which takes 20 minutes only twice a week. He stopped having trainers on contract as outside contractors and he hired just a few that were really dedicated to their existing clients. He did that in the way of doing it. He made a number of other shifts and now today he has five different fitness centers He's growing like mad. He's got NASA talking to him about a new way to exercise and train. But that's some of the benefits you can get when you start to challenge the way things are with the tools and process and shift to open up these new markets.
1: Yeah, I love this when you talk about industries looking at, well, as I said, that's just the way we do it. That's just the way things are and needing to look at ways to then reach outside of the factors that you traditionally compete on, which I'll have you touch on in a moment here with the strategy canvas that I want you to talk about. But this idea for our listeners really understand is looking at your industry, seeing what you can eliminate that doesn't add value, what factors you can reduce, other ones you amplify or raise, and the most important one, what do you create that's new? And we're going to give a golf industry example of top golf that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But before we do that, Renee, Can you tell us about, as a starting point, people are already overwhelmed and saying, well, this sounds great, but I don't know where to start within our existing business. I don't know how to build consensus. So can you start by actually telling us about this concept of the strategy canvas, what that is and how entrepreneurs and business leaders in the golf industry can use that as the starting gate to explore blue ocean opportunities?
0: Sure. The strategy canvas is a one-page analytic tool. So whether I'm a high school graduate, or I have a PhD, it's accessible to everyone. And what it is along the horizontal axis, you ask everyone to identify all the factors our industry competes in and invests in. That's the way things have always been done. And on the vertical axis, from low to high, is how much do we actually offer our customers on those particular factors? And what you really want to do is get your team together. If I'm an entrepreneurial or I'm an established organization, I want to say, let's draw this simple picture for our industry. Let's identify all the factors that we compete on in our industry, the way things are. And let's look from low to high. Do we deliver a little or a lot of that factor? And then let's do that, our strategy profile by connecting the dots versus our competition. Colin, the first thing that most people find when they try to draw that one simple picture is that they're not even clear on the factors their industry competes on. Some of the assumptions are so taken for granted that they don't even enter their conscious mind any longer what they're doing. So the first challenge is identifying the factors they compete on, and that's often a wonderful exercise where people on the same top management team will decide they'll argue they don't agree on the factors, they don't even agree on what the definition means, so we need a great website. One person thinks that means speed, the other person thinks it means aesthetics, and they start to debate and they get consensus. The second thing in doing that is when they do that, they often find in drawing it, as much as they are proud of their brand or what they built... When they draw their strategic profile versus the competitors, they find out that they all pretty much look alike. Their strategic profiles look the same. And that is what starts to create a real wake up call in an organization that we need to change. Right. Now, to your second point, though, about when you unlock this differentiation, low cost or leap in value and lower cost, as I said, is to your second tool you mentioned, which is eliminate, reduce, raise, create. How do we change the factors? How do we know what we can do differently with that as a strategy canvas so we can start to depart from the status quo? And for that, you know, you hit on it brilliantly, Colin. I've got to say you're a great student of Blue Ocean Strategy. Thank you. Is you have to look outside of your industry to understand how to stand out inside of your industry, right? What do we need to do differently? It'll give you tremendous ideas and insights. So when Cirque du Soleil looked outside of the industry to theater, music, opera, ballet, they saw, yeah, a storyline matters. Beautiful music keeps people engaged, right? And this is where you start to find the factors of what you can create but also what you can eliminate and reduce. In fact, I would challenge everyone listening to just simply with your team, go back and I would look at that book, uh, The Blue Ocean Shift, and take that eliminate, reduce, create factors and ask yourself, you know, what is one of the things we've always competed on that increasingly adds no value or limited value that we're investing. in? that we could just eliminate right off the bat or reduce? And what if we offered could pull new customers into the industry that aren't in there that we don't even think of? And just in doing that and having that conversation, they start to open their imagination space to how they can begin to shift and rethink their industry.
1: That, that's fantastic. You really encapsulated that nicely. And some of our listeners may still be saying, that still sounds a bit abstract for me. And of course, you're painting pictures with your words there, so they can't actually see an example of the strategy canvas. But one thing I will do is in the show notes, I will include the strategy canvas for Top Golf that we're going to talk about in a minute here. And that also includes all the factors that they looked at as far as eliminating, reducing, raising, and then creating. And I've got this open right in front of me here. So for our listeners to understand this, the as-is strategy or who their competitors would be for the 20 million recreational golfers in the United States. And that number is actually decreasing. It has been over the last couple of years of the over 15,000 golf courses in the United States, which is also decreasing. So that's the red ocean. That's what you're competing against. And then looking to be on that market to non-golf customers that we're going to talk about refusing golf customers or soon-to-be golf customers. That top golf has managed to unlock.
0: But Colin, you know, even there, if I think about the clothing for the golf industry, right? Yes. So I, I don't only have to be able to apply Blue Ocean strategy to the golf courses, right? Because first of all, we've seen it in tennis where the clothing has started to change because the young tennis players, stars of today, they want to be hip, they want to be cool, they want to be different, stand out, they want to have an Instagram-worthy clothing. When you think about even applying it to the clothing manufacturers, to the equipment that we have in the golfing industry... So we have the traditional golf, right? Which I can think of some things that you could jazz that up or not even jazz it up, just change it and to make it more inclusive by just going through this process that we talk about in Blue Ocean Shift. It's a five-step process with each tool, very simple, one-page analytic tool anyone can use. I mean, we work with people that have really high school education and they can grab onto it. But even if I want to teach golf to people, right? I'm, a, I'm an expert. Am I doing it in a Blue Ocean way or not? Is my marketing red ocean or blue ocean that I'm using? So you can apply blue ocean at various levels in the golf. The golf equipment, I would argue Big Bertha in a way in the past. Why do most people play tennis versus golf? Really one of the key things is in tennis, I can immediately start to hit the ball and without being good at all, I feel like I'm playing With golf, the whole industry focused on how far I can hit the golf ball. When the majority of people, the issue was, I can't hit the golf ball, period, no matter how many times I try. The head is so small and the ball is so small. And Big Bertha set out to make a slightly bigger head to say, can we make this a little bit an easier hit for more people? And it was very successful, obviously. And so I just think that all those pain points in all the areas of golf are tremendous opportunities to rethink that industry in in many exciting ways.
1: You're so right on that. And I was going to touch on that as far as the equipment side, the apparel side you mentioned, and the teaching side. And I've had a couple of guests on the podcast on the training and the teaching side, and they've managed to unlock a blue ocean strategy, some of them as individuals of the way they approach that. Mm-hmm. And and one, a great example, I did not include this in the blog post, but one is a company called Golf Tech. And what Golf Tech has created, and they have over 200 locations across the US now, they've completely flipped how people can learn golf and using the technology, technology enabled, but it's more than that. It's also experiential. And the way that they've managed to unlock a new market for golf training facilities, that was not even thought of before. And that's what they've created with golf tech. So that's already underway and they've done a great job of that, but there's other examples too. But one of the ones you mentioned, a great opportunity is in the equipment side. And right now companies like TaylorMade and Callaway Titleist and Ping are are the four big ones. And all of them are just fighting over the the scraps in the red ocean of this existing market. They're all talking about being disruptive, which I know is a term in Blue Ocean we don't use. We like to create rather than disrupt markets. But there's that opportunity within the golf equipment side that still hasn't been unlocked. No one's actually found the way yet to appeal to a a market of non-golfers. So I think that's really exciting also that someone will find that and that hasn't quite happened yet.
0: Let me make one point there, too, when you're saying for your audience, they're practical. You know, in Blue Ocean Shift, the first thing I'd want to do, as you mentioned, the strategy canvas is try to get in one page, imagine to identify the factors we compete on and invest in every single day and how much do we offer versus the competition, right? So, for example, almost every golf course today thinks they're different. They're proud of their terrain. They're proud of their eliteness. They're proud of many different factors. And I'm sure they have a right to be. But from the user's point of view, not the expert golfer who can distinguish all those fine points, but the average player, the average golf course is really not that different. They're beautiful. And so first thing you want to do is create that wake up. But the second tool, really powerful for your users, one page in Blue Ocean Shift is called that buyer utility map. And what that does is it allows us to outline the entire buyer's experience in using my product and service. So if I'm apparel, how do I find the apparel? Know it even exists. How do I purchase it? How do I wear it? How do I dispose of it? Are there complementary elements that I need with it? And it allows me to find all the pain points in the way things are currently done that customers and non-customers experience. Now, why I get so excited, most people don't get excited about pain points. Those, they look at that as a point of aggravation. Buyer utility map, the more pain points I can find, the more my team should celebrate because flipping every one of those pain points is an opportunity to create that blue ocean. Right. So I would recommend everybody that's listening, if they're stuck in the red ocean, to make the investment. It's only a Friday afternoon you need to have with your people. Pick up Lotion Shift, open it, draw your strategy canvas, get everyone clear on what we compete on. Do we under even understand it, right? And then the second thing I would do is draw that buyer utility map and let's start unlocking for each stage of the buyer's experience, all the pain points, the way we've always done things is imposing on current customers and all the people that refuse or are leaving our industry. Once we know that, we know that if we can flip those pain points, opportunity lies right behind them. That allows me to have razor sharp focus on where opportunity can be. And then I can get my top team to start focus on saying, what would it take to flip that pain point and remove it? Now I have a clear point instead of a random brainstorming, oh, let's think different. Let's create some blue ocean out of nowhere. That just paralyzes people. But if I can say that's a distinctive pain point for people and what I need to understand is how can I eliminate that pain point and I have everyone focused on it that concentrated brain power on that one factor, two or three factors, starts to reveal really new things that they never saw. And we've seen this in bluish and Shift. We talk about hotels, Wawa, the convenience store chain in America, you know, over 300 years old, I believe. All of these organizations, national governments, what they find when they start applying these tools And what I believe the golf industry can apply to. So I would definitely recommend your users to want to go back and say, let's just look into that. What's one Friday afternoon working? And if we don't see something there, put the idea aside. But if we do, let's take it to the next level.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the examples you cite in Blue Ocean Shift of flipping the pain point, as you put it, is the case study of Kimberly Clark with the market of Brazilian bathroom tissue and the utility lever of buyer utility of where they actually found the pain point more on the on the back end of the experience. Can you give that as an example so our listeners could then understand and gain some confidence of saying, well, here, here's an existing company, not just a startup that's actually applied this to unlock a massive new market here. Can you give that example, please?
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. So here's Kimberly Clark, as we know, leader in paper. So they call that tissue paper. It's really talking about toilet paper in Brazil, and you can't get a more red ocean industry. In Brazil, And the large hypermarkets are long aisles with just stacked from floor to ceiling with white toilet paper. And so they wanted to know, can they make a blue ocean shift and go from the red ocean to the blue? Right. And of course, in the beginning, I thought, what opportunity can there possibly be in toilet paper? So something so simple. As they started to look at it, they found out that now most Brazilians who have a lower income strata, they take a bus to go to large hypermarkets to buy the toilet paper and they buy toilet paper in large bulk. But when they're on these long bus and they're buying their groceries at the same time, they can barely carry the toilet paper. They're struggling with a child in one hand, a bag of groceries in the other, where the orange is about to tumble and the toilet paper dragging to go on an hour bus ride and come home. And then they realize even when they get home, the average person has a very small living accommodation. And there's no place to store this toilet paper, which they buy in bulk because they need to save every amount of money that they have. And so what they found out is if they could compress a toilet paper in a distinctive Way, add a handle to the toilet paper that it's there. So they make it so that they have the exact same amount of toilet paper. I forgot what the percentage is with drastic reduction in the size that's required with a handle to carry it. It allowed it to stand out in the aisles in Walmart. It actually became so cheap to send it across the country. Brazil's huge country, of course, and made it very environmentally friendly. It made it the number one product in Walmart's drive for sustainability and eco-friendliness because of carbon two emissions. And so it became a top-rated supplier. It just stood out. It lifted the price premium. In our book, it says that they can look at it, but maybe by like 20%. And they were able to stand out. And even to this day, they've set the standard. And that's now, I think, over 10 years. So if they can do it in toilet paper, Wawa, the convenience and gas store chain, they applied it to food. And they turned themselves from a gas station and convenience store that sold a little bit of food if you're desperately in need, to today being known as a quick service restaurant that also sells some gas and convenience items. And so by applying Blue Ocean Shift to the food offering. So in the book, Blue Ocean Shift, we give established organizations, we give startups, and we give them in all different industries. And I think just going through and reading through those with a top team or in my organization can give you confidence to say, well, wait a minute, look at the way they did that there. Look at the way they did that in that industry. What are those similar factors in our industry? And I think just having that conversation in a company starts to get everyone's mind thinking. And it also removes the excuses we have for why we can't
1: do it. I love the way you crystallize that example with Kimberly-Clark with toilet paper there, because most people would think, well, what do we need to compete on? It's like, well, how soft is the toilet paper? We have to make it softer. Well, that turned out to be not a factor to compete on at all. And the golf industry, especially on the club manufacturing side, could look at that also as a great way to try to separate themselves. And right now with golf clubs and golf balls, it's like, can you hit it longer? Can you hit it straighter? Can you hit it softer? the way it rolls. And for the most part, that's already the performance supply is already great enough that most people don't care. Just like most people don't care if toilet paper is just a little bit softer, it's other factors that were revealed. So the golf industry could use that example as a great one to start to explore what other factors can be competed on to unlock new markets within
0: golf. But you know, even I think about golf, right? For like, I think about young people. So first of all, if you take a company like Warby Parker and eyeglasses, another purely blood the red ocean industry and Warby Parker goes and creates a blue ocean and eyeglasses but part of their blue ocean is what they stand for socially every time you buy a pair of glasses they give money to people in developing countries to enable them to have even a pair of glasses so they can see and do some basic commerce or engage in education or learning and that really hooks into the whole millennial mindset but also the mindset of all of us right we all want to do well but if I look at golf as well I think about a golf course right And I think about what golf is. If let's assume we don't even change it, even the way it's positioned, right? For young people, or from an educational point of view, it teaches tremendous concentration, which children today in our hyped up world with so much digitization at their fingertips, they're losing actually their abilities to concentrate. I can think about this as something that promotes concentration. It gets me out of sitting in front of a computer into fresh air and beautiful terrain. And we know nature is so important for health in what we're doing. It teaches me tremendous razor sharp focus in what I'm doing because golf, you have to be you know on your market every single second and think about how the ball and calculating. And so when you think about what golf has always been from my naive perspective, and I'm not a golfer, kind of a rarefied, very rarefied type of sport and sort of for a certain elite group, just the way classical music was often until Andre Ryu totally shifted that. He's someone to look at, took pop music and the classical and opened it up and today sells out concerts like Bruce Springsteen does. And he's done that for 20 years. But I think that if golf even thinks about what its purpose is in blue ocean terms, whether we're even promoting it to schools for education for a certain value, not just to get you into a college, but there's certain innate things golf can teach you, even as it is mm-hmm. that if you don't think profoundly about the sport, you may not realize. And yet it teaches you tremendous patience right? The game, it's a very patient game. It requires patience. So I think about what it brings out in the human being, what kind of training. So to be a great in boxing, you have to know how to do ballet. Now, no one who enters boxing thinks they ever want to dare put on a little tutu and learn ballet. But if you want to be a great boxer, you better take ballet to be quick on your feet. Well, if you really want to be great in a number of things to succeed in life, Some of the fundamental skills of what golf teaches you, which has nothing to do with golf, but the disciplines behind golf, that sport nails it in many ways. But they never even mention that. They don't even talk about it. And then when I talk about it in that way, who that audience allows me to go to, it's not sports people you're an entrepreneur you want to build the next Microsoft you need razor sharp focus you need patience you need to understand discipline and you need good health to be in the game now I'm just changing the conversation I'm having about the existing game and this is just me brainstorming with you here but I just think when I think of golf and these pain points and some of these different issues I would definitely want to have that conversation about what could that mean for me apparel I see great opportunities to take some of the golf apparel some of which I I think is cool to go and have it worn outside of golf and it become the next thing
1: and there are some companies like travis matthew that was recently or last year was acquired by callaway yep. they have actually done that so they take more of a southern california surf vibe streetwear approach to golf and they've been very successful with that and there's other groups out there that are doing that too so you're you're certainly on the on the right track with that one. Hey, one of the other examples I want to talk to you about, and we discussed this before we jumped on the recording, and that is with the truest example of a blue ocean strategy success story within the golf industry, and that is with Topgolf. So with Topgolf, and almost all of our listeners will have known about Topgolf, so they have over 40 locations in the United States and growing. They now have an international footprint and growing also. They had over 10 million customers last year, and the data that they received back, the feedback, almost 50% identify as being a non-golfer, meaning they've never picked up a club before, to they play less than two rounds a year. So this idea of finding that onboarding experience, the way to cross that chasm between 18 holes and five hours on a golf course and the intimidation factor of that and how hard it is to learn and the rules and everything that goes with that, having to buy the equipment, those are all pain points that they've eliminated or reduced while raising the experiential side and the emotional side of golf and the kind of the woohoo and the gamification of that so they've looked outside i want you to touch on this because i know this is one of the key tenants of blue ocean strategy of looking outside of your existing industry for validation and inspiration of what works and pulling those elements out and top golf has done this through like cirque du soleil with entertainment music lifestyle other sports gamification and esports So they've done a great job of that and wrapping that into a food and beverage and a hospitality experience with music, celebrities, and making this into something that's bigger than golf. With that, we talked about Topgolf a little bit. You don't really know about Topgolf too much, which I love. So it's refreshing. So you get a very unfiltered perspective. So I'd like to hear your thoughts of what Topgolf has already created in the Blue Ocean space for golf.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's fascinating. So one is, of course, the whole idea in Blue Ocean Strategies, how do we create new demand, not only fight over existing demand? So the point of it being that, number one, of those 10 million users that come to it, the majority of them before didn't play golf. So this is one is, how do we identify who the non-customers are, why they are non-customers, what are the pain points, like you articulate beautifully, Colin. And then, how do we remove all those pain points to pull them into our industry? The second thing very powerful about Top Golf is that it's both different. Of course, in a traditional golf range. And of course, from their perspective, it's low cost because if I look at the physical land requirement, real estate value that's required, it's minimal for opening one of these. At the same time, the throughput of people being able to use that space, not just four people by hole, which we have to wait. It's putting through a few hundred people at one time. So the ability for me to earn the returns there. So it's a classic Blue Ocean, different, low cost for the company. So it's a win win pulling in all new customers to the industry. and many respects, it's one of the six paths to creating a blue ocean, which is look across alternative industries. In this case, I see lots of elements being drawn from like a classic bowling alley, bowling games, the new ones now, where you have the gamification, you know the scoring, you know the food, you know the beverage, you got the music, you got it at nighttime. It's a fun place to go and be with friends to socialize And happen to pay golf in the process of it, right? So I think it's an outstanding example. And I think it's a type of example that if your listeners sit there in Blue Ocean Shift, we give six different ways to learn to see these new opportunities, right? One can be look across an alternative industry. Another one can be look across different buyers in an industry from users to purchasers to influencers and switch that, right? From one to another. What are complementary products and service offerings, and can we embrace those, right? So that's just one example, and I think it's a brilliant one. It's exciting.
1: It really is. And I I have another example here. I haven't told you about this one, so you're going to hear this for the first time. And I think this is very interesting also because this really does follow the framework of Blue Ocean Shift, rather than strategy where golf you can say, well, we really created that 20 years ago as a startup and then brought that along and evolved that as something that was new. The fact you've got over 15,000 golf courses in the United States and you have this underutilized asset of the golf courses and certain elements of this. So I think you really enjoy this example, Rene, because very much like Airbnb has done, like Uber has done, they've then leveraged and harnessed the value of these assets that already exist in order to scale up a new offering. And what this is, is called Shots in the Night. So this is an existing golf course. This is the Indian Wells Golf Course just outside of Palm Springs. They looked at this three years ago, and we just had a podcast episode a couple of weeks ago covering this. So what Indian Wells did, which is under the management of Troon Golf, which manages over 200 golf courses in the United States. And they were looking, well, how do we create, without knowing about Blue Ocean Strategy, how do we create new opportunity and for new customers, non-golf customers, what can we do? And they started to look at this, and they saw their putting green, this large putting green, and their driving range, and saying, well, that isn't used at all at night. And as they work through many iterations and ideas to uncover the, the pain points and the opportunities, what they have there, Rene, now, Shots in the Night is this nighttime gamified and a laser projection putting games and lit up driving range with all kinds of fun things going on with food, with drinks. They've created this as a scene and they've only been open for a few months and this has exceeded their expectation. The first one that they've done really as a prototype that this is so popular that they're astounded. The fact that the majority of the people enjoying Shots in the Night have never played golf before. Younger people, millennials, families, even some older people that have never played golf or gave up golf many years ago are now coming out because it only takes an hour or two and it's more social, all the things that golf bumps up against. So I love that example. I'll send you a little more information about that one because I think you'll get excited about that. But they then, once again, looked at an existing asset that they owned that was underutilized and they've managed to take that to the next level and open up and unleash new growth and new markets with that.
0: Well, Colin, I think that's a great one too. And if I look at the golf courses whether it's the beauty of the terrain that they have, whether it's those little golf carts that I don't know, a single person doesn't love zooming around in those things (laughs) that are underutilized. Unfortunately, you have to go just slowly hole to hole. Utilizing at night the way you're saying, I just think they're sitting on a number of assets that with some fresh thinking. And the thing we always say about Blue Ocean Shift is it puts structure on an unstructured challenge. Normally when we want to be creative, it's kind of brainstorming, it feels risky. But if I have simple one-page tool that says, let's just look at as is, know what we have. Let's find out what the pain points are. Let's look at the tool three tiers and find out who are the non-customers that we could pull in and why they refuse us. And it takes us step by step. What we have learned in our research and working with companies around the world is that almost every organization, the people in it are far more creative and capable than they give themselves credit for when they're given the tools that allow them and show them how to pull that creativity and direct it to commercial opportunity. And then two, when you do that, you build their confidence and they become unstoppable in terms of the enthusiasm for execution. I think that they're sitting on a lot of potential there, and I would encourage people to start thinking about how they could make that shift. And I love what you're doing to bring that energy to the golf industry.
1: Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. So to finish up here, because I am being respectful of your time, because I know you're an extremely busy woman with everything you have going on in your life here. So to finish up, to take a step back here, if we have some of our listeners in the golf industry, whether they're in the apparel side, whether they're in the equipment side, whether they're actually golf course owners or managers, we've cited some great examples already, but if they're still overwhelmed of where to start, can you give us what things should people in the golf industry stop doing if they want to become truly innovative? I've seen a list you have out of three of those, perhaps you can touch on those. So what should they stop doing so where they can start and become more blue ocean?
0: Yeah, I think the first thing is to stop benchmarking the competition because then you let the competition set your strategy and then without you realizing it, you commoditize your own industry and you commoditize yourself. So you want to look outside your industry to understand how to stand out inside your industry. Stop looking to the competition. The second thing I would say is to stop only talking to existing customers who are satisfied Satisfied with you and look to the people that are leaving your industry or non customers and why they refuse your industry, and they will often be able to start to articulate all the pain points that your industry has somehow overlooked or brushed under the carpet. And when you start to overturn those pain points, you start to open up new opportunities. And the third thing I would say is don't make the assumption as most organizations do that we have to either we're going to stand out and be the most differentiated player, be a premium player with a high cost structure, or let's go low cost. I would love for you to challenge your organization, your team. We want to create this blue ocean, get out of the red. How can we break the trade-off between being different, offering buyers a leap in value and lower cost? Because one thing I know for certain I've seen in organizations again and again, the minute I make the trade-off, and I assume I must, between being high quality and low cost, I will make that trade off. But the minute I challenge my team to break that trade-off, they'll push back at first and say it's impossible. But I keep pushing them. And I even say, tell me the stupidest thing we do that we could be eliminated, one way to drop cost. And tell me something people ask for that we could do to create. I then start to break that trade off and I start to move into that blue ocean creating that win-win opportunity. So those would be my three don't benchmark the competition. Look outside the industry. Number two, don't only talk to customers, look to your non-customers for insight. And number three, aim to break the trade-off between cost and value instead of accepting the trade-off. And that will start you to move into that blue ocean.
1: I love it. Those are three great pieces of wisdom there for where people can start on their blue ocean strategy and their blue ocean shift journey. And I love the one and people will think, well, stop talking to my customers, but that I, I have to talk to my customers where what you're really embracing here is observe your non-customers more than the desire to talk to your existing customers. And that's what Top Golf did. They didn't go to golf courses and try to talk to existing recreational golfers. It's like, what do you want? They looked outside into other existing industries and experiences to observe the behaviors and the desires of the customers that they've now attracted that were before, as you put it, soon to be or refusing golf customers. Is that fair to say?
0: That's fair to say. And the one thing you have to realize is that in almost every... Every single industry, the ocean of non-customers is far greater than the ocean of existing customers. Yeah. And those are the ones you want to pull into. And to your point, you talk about the night golf with the lasers. Think about it. How many people, if you interviewed your existing golf club users? And you say, what do you really need? How many of them are going to start telling you have lasers at nighttime on the golf course? I don't think too many of them, right? But if I start talking to my non-customers and my youth that are going to amusement parks at nighttime in the summertime, I'm going to tell you, they're going to start telling you oh, the coolest thing because laser tag is one of the biggest things even my daughter talks about for her birthday. Mom, can we do laser tag? And this is where if you want new insights, you've got to change the conversations you're having and who you're having the conversations with Right, right. and blue. Blue Ocean Shift tries to teach you, gives you the questions to ask to change those conversations and tells you who are the people you want to talk to in any industry, what are the categories so you can know who to go to to get the most insight to start changing your industry. And that's what we're excited about is the questions it provides to teach people to start looking at their industry differently that we outline in Blue Ocean Shift.
1: And you talk about non-disruptive creation. And that's what Indian Wells Golf Course has done with Shots in the Night. They are not now shutting down their existing golf course that is still open during the day with their existing customers. And they've now amplified that at night. So actually, it's augmented and enhanced. It's actually created more value. And the great thing for them, they've got this awesome feedback loop now that they now have people that come for shots of the night that never played golf before. Now they've onboarded them. They've cultivated trust that now they have people coming back and they're taking a lesson. They want to learn how to play golf. They're actually going for dinner there, playing around a golf. So it's become this is it a term, an upward spiral? Did I just invent that? It's a it's an upward spiral. There you go.
0: And, and Colin, not only that, I'm gonna tell you some of the established players, even the most stodgy ones, hear about this at first. <laughs> but eventually, and hey, maybe that's the way I get my grandkids to come with me. And established golfers are gonna start trying that night thing too with their families or with their friends or with kids. It'll be a great thing to have for a party to create a surprise effect and so that spiral is not going to only work from the nighttime going to the day the daytime people night and not only that the media attention that you can start to get to give voice to it and put golf in front of mind in front of people and seeing it rejuvenating there's many spirals of success that feed into one to the other and so this is what when you start to make those shifts you can unlock but Colin I want to end with one point you just mentioned about disruption now, i'm being academic because I am a professor, but it is non-disruptive. And what we found one thing critical about people like using the word disruption a lot But what that word does to people is when you say disrupt, the natural reflex of individuals is to look at the established order with an aim to take it down. For me to disrupt, I must take down something. And what we have found, there's so many opportunities for non-disruptive creation where I don't necessarily have to kill what I have, but I can create growth way beyond it. And that's what Blue Ocean Shift is really talking about. Because established organizations, if I have to kill my existing Business to create my new one, I jeopardize my current revenues with an uncertain knowing if the new revenues I'm trying to create will more than compensate for that and turn into that. So, what we found very powerful from established companies emotionally and practically, but financially as well, is to think about non-disruptive creation. How can I have what I do, keep it fresh, manage my existing business, but look for these non-disruptive opportunities, these new growth? So if I think about Apple, they have the iMac and then they create the iTunes store and then the iPad and then the the app store, and they're building one after another, but they're not disrupting their other existing business. They're growing. And I think this is what we want to think about in golf. And I can imagine this is one area which which would make people in golf nervous to want to change the rules it's easy for an outsider but not for an established player but if i realize there's lots of opportunities like the nighttime golf one that you're articulating and there are it allows me to broaden my thinking and I think pull more people into the conversation and be a lot less threatening.
1: Yeah, you just nailed that and just encapsulated that in such an empowering way for our listeners that I need to stress again that fear, and I've had conversations with industry leaders within established organizations, that they think that what we're preaching here is take everything they've built their business for decades and just forget about all that and do this new thing. That's not what we're saying at all. Leverage all of the knowledge, everything that you have within your your business, and even the products, experiences, services that you offer already, and use that to then take that leap. And those are the insights you have to actually then take it to the next level. It's another service offering that you're embellishing what you already have and progressing rather than replacing.
0: You know, in some cases there could be replaced, but what it really, in Bluish and Shift, we talk about at the portfolio level, as an organization to be a responsible leader, you have to manage today while building tomorrow. Manage today is managing your Red Ocean businesses, right? That's where your cash comes from. That's where your are earning stability. Those are all important. That's what's feeding your employees But at the same time, if that's all we do and that industry is shrinking, we're going to be going into the valley of death. We have to also wake up. So then I'll be looking at my portfolio and I may be picking one of my businesses or one of my product lines that really has its back against the wall and seeing what could I do in that area to create a blue ocean in that business. So it's really about creating that whole balance there and managing today while building tomorrow and managing your red while building your blue ocean businesses for the future. So that's how I would leave that at, Colin. I think you articulated it nicely there. And in our book, by the way, Blue Ocean, shift. The book starts out with saying you need a roadmap and tools for people because we know how to compete, but we don't know how to create. If you ask anyone, would you rather compete or create? They'll almost always say I'd rather create. And if you say what's more important for your business, compete or create, given the reality, they'll say create. And then you say, well, what do you do with your time? They'll say compete. Right. You know you want to, and you know it's more important to create, but you compete. Why the divergence? And they'll say, well, I know how to compete, but I don't know how to create. But the second area is also that comes up right away is fear, right? Because I have to be willing to let go of what I know to create what as of yet I'm not certain of. And in our book, we really discuss this humanness and while we're very excited about Bluish and Shift. We talk about all the fears that each step people in the organization will have. How do you manage those fears? How do you manage those questions? Because the whole process is about in Bluish and Shift, we say proven steps to build people's confidence. Not. Not with a rah rah call and inspiring them in an off site retreat, but because with each tool, what they learn builds their confidence because they understand the opportunities, they see them more. So this whole element of fear, understanding it, managing it in your portfolio, is really one of the key three elements that we really spend a lot of time on in Blue Ocean Shift. And we walk you through, whether it's with Kimberly Clark or an established company like Wawa, or a hundred year old company like the French fry maker in France, or a startup like Citizen M Hotels. How does that really play out? Understanding the human being is critical. You can have the best strategy in the world, but if you're not bringing people along and they're not have confidence to execute, you're not going to go anywhere. And so that's what that book, when we say, you know, the how, we started our conversation. Blue Ocean strategy is the what, shift is the how. The importance of people and how you bringing them along and build their confidence through knowledge and self-discovery is really a key focus of that book that gives us confidence in the results it can generate for all your listeners.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Well, I could talk to you for hours here about this. We can dig into this, but uh, we're going to have to leave it at that cuz I know you have as I said a busy schedule. But you've provided really the framework to encourage and empower our listeners to take that first step. And I will of course include in the show notes the link to the book, to Blue Ocean Shift, and you can learn our listeners that is they can learn everything they need to know by going to blueoceanstrategy.com. That's a great place to start in the show notes also I will include the link to my blog post that outlines as I called turning green fairways into blue oceans where we cite the examples of not only Topgolf but also Women's Golf Day, the major series of putting, and also now with Shots in the Night. So, hey, I want to ask you one more quick question, a bit of a fun one here before I let you go here. As you describe so nicely about the three tiers of non-customers that companies need to explore to look to unlock, as a refusing golf customer or non-customer, if someone invited you and your daughter to a top golf or Shots in the Night, would you go?
0: I have to say, yes, I would. And I think my daughter would be saying, oh, mom, cool, cool, really cool.
1: <laughs> there you go. So golf industry leaders out there, if you want to appeal to the Professor Renee Morbones of the world, that's what you need to create, a blue ocean strategy and a shift that connects them to an experience and a, an emotional connection to a service or a product or an offering. So, hey, with that, we'll wrap this up. So Professor Renee Morbone, co-author of Blue Ocean Strategy and Blue Ocean shift beyond competing, proven steps to inspire confidence and seize new growth. I've been a huge fan, as I said, for years and years now. So this has been an absolute pleasure to get the chance to speak to you, not really face-to-face, but at least microphone to microphone. So thank you so much for being a guest on the Mod Golf podcast today. I really appreciate it.
0: Hey, Colin, the pleasure was mine. Really, it was. It's just terrific.
1: Thanks so much. Have a great day, and I hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. So that's a wrap for our first episode of the Mod Golf podcast, season six. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Professor René Morbon, co-author of the best-selling business books Blue Ocean Strategy and Blue Ocean Shift. I'd love to hear what you found interesting and useful in this episode, so please share your thoughts by emailing me at colin at modgolfpodcast.com, and I promise to get back to you. If you'd like to learn more about how Blue Ocean Strategy can help your business unlock new customers and make the competition irrelevant, go to our episode show page where we've included links and photos to provide you with additional content. I'd like to extend my gratitude and thanks to our sponsor partners, British Columbia Golf and Nextlinks, for helping make the Mod Golf podcast happen. And I also want to send a big welcome to our new sponsor partner, Golf Genius Software, whose CEO Mike Zisman was my guest a few episodes ago. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these engaging stories from the golf industry's brightest innovators and influencers. Please join me next time when I speak with paraplegic athlete, golfer, and entrepreneur Tanelle Bolt about the challenges she has faced and the opportunities she now embraces since her life-altering extreme sports injury four years ago. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more of our innovation stories on previous episodes at mod.golf or search Mod Golf Podcast on iTunes. And please rate, review, and subscribe to the show while you're there. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for joining me. Bye for now.